In our fast-paced world, it's easy to feel burdened by life. Deadlines, demands, disappointment, it never seems to end. We often carry around our baggage, but rarely stop to count our blessings. Scripture says we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. God created you for blessing, and he created you to be a blessing. Sometimes we just need to see from a different perspective. We are in a series called Blessed, and the second part of that is to be a blessing. And those two must go together. God blesses us, and God has richly blessed humankind, his creation, throughout the ages. But his blessings aren't meant to stop with us. We are meant to be channels of his blessings to those around us. So we are blessed to be a blessing. I feel like I need to explain a little bit the design element we're using for this series. And of course, as we said last week, there are bookmarks out in the lobby and online on our church website if you want to follow along with the texts for this series and also possibly do Discovery Bible Study. So you see the airplane window, and I don't know about you, but when I think about flying, I don't necessarily think about being blessed because it's usually, especially these days, that something goes wrong. A flight is delayed or canceled or there's problems or they lose your luggage. And so it doesn't necessarily feel like you're being blessed as you are riding in an airplane. But I think if you watch the little short intro video, you kind of get what we're getting at here. And that is we spend so much time in our life carrying around our burdens and our baggage and we're in this hustle and bustle and we're trying to get there and we're trying to do this and, and there's other people around pushing in on us and it's just this chaotic, crazy world and sometimes we just need to finally pause, look out the window at the very same world that we were living in when we were running around carrying all our stuff around, this same world, but we pause and we look from a different perspective and we can be reflective and we can realize that God has, in fact, blessed us. And rather than focus so much on our burdens, what if we stop and count our blessings and let that mindset shape what we do and how we interact and how we make decisions, knowing that we are richly blessed from God and that God, as we said, calls us to be a blessing to others. Sometimes it just takes a different perspective. And that's what we want to do throughout this series. We want to help us all see from a different perspective, to step out from the daily grind of life, the frustrations, the burdens, the baggage, all of that, and realize that we are, in fact, blessed. I mean, we say those words a lot. We are truly blessed, or that was a blessing. But do you understand the significance of being blessed? So that's our purpose for this series. My last living grandparent was my grandfather on my mom's side. He passed away when I was about 12, so I don't have a ton of memories of him. And I certainly don't have very many memories of my other grandparents who died when I was much younger. A few hazy memories, and, and we have some stories and some photographs. But my maternal grandfather did leave me two things after he passed away. He left two things for all of us kids, my siblings and myself. 
One of those things is kept in a little lockbox in our house. The other is on display in our house, and you could easily see it if you came over. In the lockbox is a real silver dollar. I can't remember the year on the coin, but it's, it's pretty old. It's real silver. It's probably worth, I don't know, 20 or $25 maybe. The other item is not worth $25. It's probably not worth 25 cents. I might say that, it's, that it has sentimental value, but when I tell you what it is, that might seem odd. And so the other item you can find in our guest bathroom. You see, my grandfather was dabbling in woodworking, and so he made for me and my siblings a miniature wooden handcrafted outhouse. There it is. A little outhouse with a working little door, a little latch on the door. You open the door, and it's actually a one-seater right there. Little, I think those are supposed to be half-moon windows on the sides. A little outhouse. Where do you put a miniature outhouse? The only place I knew to put it was in the bathroom, so that's where it is. Seemed appropriate. It's almost as if our grandfather was saying to us, as difficult as your life may get, (laughs) as, as hard as you think life is, just remember, it could always be more difficult. At least you have indoor plumbing. So I think that maybe was the general message behind the gift. But nonetheless, I've had that since I was a young child, and I guess we'll hang on to it. Someday it'll be my son's little outhouse. (laughs) You know, what we pass down to the next generation is so important. It really is. What we give our kids and our grandkids is so important. And I want you just to pause for a moment and think about what has been given to you by those who came before you. And not necessarily an inheritance or certain items or objects or possessions, that's fine, but what have they passed on to you that maybe is intangible? How have they impacted your life? How have they prepared you for life? How have they possibly passed on faith to you? And for some of us, we might say, well, I'd rather not go there because I don't know that I got anything good from them. And tragically, that is the case sometimes. But that doesn't mean you can't pass on a blessing to others. You see, that's the real question. The first question informs this next question. But the real question is, what are you passing down to others? What is it you are leaving behind? If you have kids, for your children. If you have grandkids, maybe for your grandchildren. But even for those that that you have some influence on, because all of us have a sphere of influence. All of us have opportunities to be a blessing and to pass on a blessing to others. Maybe if you're a teacher, it's your students. Maybe if you're a mentor, it's those you work with. We all have opportunities. And so what are you passing on to others? How are you passing down a blessing? Someone has counted, and the word bless or blessing is used over 640 times in the Old Testament. 
You see, blessings were a part of the DNA of God's covenant people. In fact, even today, Orthodox Jewish families still have what they call this passing on of a blessing. They're very intentional, very deliberate about passing on a blessing to their children. And many times there is ceremony, there is ritual involved, there, there is its own language, its own use of meaningful physical contact. It's speaking blessings into one's life. It's envisioning a future for the child or the children. It's recentering them on who they are, their identity, their purpose in life. Jewish people, Israelite people, have done this for generations and still do it today. And maybe they are simply reflecting on what it means to be a child of God, to be a child who is richly blessed by his or her heavenly father because that's what God has done for us you go all the way back to the very beginning when God created humankind the text reminds us that God didn't just create us pat us on the head and say good luck he blessed us Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 this this is the written account of Adam's family line When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. That little detail there I think is so important. I don't think it's just a throwaway statement. That God created male and female and he blessed them. You could read that without that statement there, right? He created them male and female. He named them mankind when they were created. But it's important for us to know as his creation, as his children, that he has blessed us. You were created for blessing by God. Get your mind around that. You were created for blessing by God. But what does that mean? What does it mean that God created us and blessed us? How did he bless us? Well, I guess we have to go back to what it means to bless. What is a blessing? Someone has defined it this way. It is the projection of good into the life of another. And I like that definition. The projection of good into the life of someone else. And so much of blessings in the biblical text have to do not only with now, but the future. Envisioning this special future. God is at work through your life and he is taking you somewhere. It's projecting good into the life of another person. It's helping them see from a different perspective. It's opening their eyes to what God is doing, what God will do in their life. Here's my definition of blessing. It's not from a dictionary. It's not from anyone else. It's just from reading the context of that word blessing in the text. I think blessing is intentionally and freely giving someone what he or she needs. Giving them what they need and doing that in a very deliberate way and giving it very freely to the individual or to the people. Isn't that what we mean when we say we are blessed? When God created humankind and blessed them, what did he do? He gave them what they needed. He gave them what they needed to function and survive and even thrive in this world. 
When we consider that we are blessed, what we're saying is, yes, sometimes we get what we want, but really is we get what we truly need. And through Jesus and in Jesus, God has blessed us with what we need most, forgiveness and salvation and eternal life and the hope that comes with that and the peace and the joy that come with that blessing. It is what we need most. And God knew that and he provided it. He blessed us. God always blesses his children. That's the kind of father he is. He freely gives us what we need. He speaks provision and protection and promise into our lives. He has a vision for us and he validates us. That is the nature of passing down a blessing. That is what it means when a father blesses his child. That's what it means when a mother blesses her child or a grandparent blesses his or her grandchild or a teacher their student. That's what it means. And so we have an example in the biblical text. We have several examples, but the one I want to look at today is in Genesis chapter 48. If you have a Bible, you might turn there. Genesis chapter 48, the story of Jacob with his son Joseph and Joseph's sons. So Jacob, also called Israel, and his grandsons. Genesis 48, verse 3, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me. Again, not a throwaway statement. Sometimes that's how we use that word. I hope that you will be very conscious of your use of the word blessing. This isn't a throwaway statement here. This isn't just a, a word blessed framed and hung in your house or hashtag blessed or we are so blessed and keep on going. He's saying God has been good to us. God has a special plan and promise for us. God blessed me there. Verse four, and he said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Jacob is saying, I am part of something bigger than me. I am part of God's plan for his covenant people. The blessing came before me, the blessing came to me, and the blessing is flowing through me to the next generation. This isn't about who we are, this is about what God is doing in and through us. In the family context, too many children today aren't blessed because their parents, for whatever reason, didn't feel blessed, they didn't feel validated and approved and accepted, or they didn't recognize it. And so now they have nothing to bless their children with, but it doesn't have to be that way. If that's how you feel as a parent, or even a grandparent, that doesn't mean blessings have to stop with you you can continue to be a source of blessing because your heavenly father has blessed you. You were created by him for blessing. And whatever people in your life, if they didn't do what they were supposed to do, if they didn't do what God called them to do, I am so sorry, that is unfortunate. But your father in heaven is doing what he does and he blesses you and you can pass that blessing on to others. Jacob says, I was blessed by God and now I'm passing that blessing on to the next generation. Here, he's talking about his son, Joseph, but also his grandsons. 
So we continue in verse eight. When Israel, also called Jacob, saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? Of course, he knew who they were. They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him and his father kissed them and embraced them. Notice here the importance of physical contact in the blessing. What does Jacob do? He hugs He embraces, he kisses his grandsons, and he blessed them. Touch is a meaningful part of passing on a blessing. And if you continue reading in chapter 48, you will see that this grandfather takes his hands and he puts them on the heads of his grandsons. He actually crosses his arms, puts his right hand on the youngest and his left hand on the oldest, which is reverse of what it probably should be in their tradition. And it is an important detail of the story. But of course, Jacob knew about reversing blessings, didn't he? If you know his story, you know that he got his father's blessing that was supposed to go to his oldest son, his brother. But Jacob managed to get that blessing from his father. And so now he's blessing his grandsons. He's blessing his son as well. He speaks this blessing into their lives. Verse 15. Then he blessed Joseph and he said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Jacob speaks this blessing into the lives of his grandsons. He is saying again that you are part of what God is doing. Don't ever doubt that you have value and worth because God sees you. God is using you, working in your life. He is blessing you and using you to bless others, all nations. It's hard for us sometimes to see the bigger picture. Sometimes we truly do need to see from a different perspective because we miss out on how much we are blessed. Jacob gives him a perspective. And in this blessing, we see so many of the important elements that should be involved in our blessing others as well, certainly our children and grandchildren. We see meaningful touch, We see words of affirmation and validation. We see petition of God's work in their lives. We see this envisioning a special future. All of those things are so important when it comes to passing down a blessing. And so let me ask you, who has God placed in your life to bless? To whom can you be a blessing? Who has God put in your life that you have opportunities to pass down a blessing? Is it it your children, your grandchildren, nieces, nephews, students, friends? Who is it? Help them envision a special future with God. Be intentional. Be deliberate. Express approval and acceptance through meaningful touch, through words of affirmation. Let them know that you are proud of them, not just when they score the goal in the game, not just when they excel at music or make straight A's, 
but make sure they know you are proud of them for just being them, for being your child, for being who they are. They need to hear that you are proud of them. And no matter what they're struggling with, no matter what they're dealing with, you need to let them know that they are an image bearer of God, that they have great worth and value separate from what they accomplish, separate from how they do in school or how much money they make or, or whatever you want to measure it by that our world measures success by. They need to know that you approve them, that you accept them, that you affirm them, that you love them, that they have value and worth as a child of God and as your child. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, we are reminded that we are children of God and what that means. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That word lavished is so interesting. He could have just said, see what great love the Father has given us has provided for us, has shown us, has expressed to us, but he chose the word lavished. That's our English word. What does that mean? It means he poured it out abundantly. To be a child of God is to be lavished in love and blessing. Don't just leave your kids something when you are gone. Leave them something, what they need most while you are still here. Pass down the blessing intentionally and freely give them what they need because they won't get it from the world. I can assure you if you don't give it to them because you don't take the time or you don't think you know how or you, you know for whatever reason if you don't pass down the blessing they will spend their lives looking for it and they won't find it from the world because this world in which our kids are growing up this world in which we live would rather criticize them than commend them. It would rather curse them than bless them. You know that, right? That's the nature of the world. When we talk about blessing, it is a kingdom value, not a worldly value. The world says, why would you give something away that you could keep for yourself? Why would you focus on someone else rather than focus on yourself? Why would you not take all that you can and, and why take the time to validate, to approve, to express love to someone else unless there is something in return for you? That's the message of the world, not unconditional blessing. Jesus gives us a great example. The passage was read earlier, Mark chapter 10. People are bringing kids to Jesus for him to bless. Now remember in this day and age, first century, kids had no voice. They had no real social status. Kids back then didn't get a phone when they were nine years old. I can, I can promise you that. They had no real social standing. People didn't give kids the time of day. And yet notice what Jesus does, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples, these are the disciples, his followers, they rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. 
Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He immediately, with that one statement, elevates their status. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now, Jesus is making a point here. He is teaching a lesson, and he could have just done that without blessing the children. His point would have been made, but again, that was the point. He wanted to bless these children. When the social norm said to be too busy or too important for the little ones, Jesus was intentional and inclusive. When everyone else wanted to ignore and reject them, Jesus blessed the children. That's what he did. That's who he was. And it wasn't just the children. It was anyone who was marginalized, anyone who was ostracized. He took the time to speak blessing into their lives, to touch them, to heal them, to bring hope, to help them envision a different future, a special future where God was involved. He deliberately and freely gave people what they needed. That's what we need to do. Parents, that's what we need to do. Grandparents, that's what we need to do. Anyone with any influence in the lives of young people especially, that's what we need to do. And let me say a quick word to dads. Dads, your children need you to be interested and involved in their lives. They need you to be intentional. They need you to be there. They need to know that you see them and that you like what you see. Don't make your children guess as to whether or not you approve of them. Assure them and reassure them over and over that they are loved, that they are special, that you are with them, that you are for them. Demonstrate that by your words, but also your actions. Be present and active in their lives. And parents, don't just bring your kids to church Live out what it means to be the church. That's one of the ways you can bless your children, bless this next generation. Don't just bring them to church. That's good. That's important. But show them what it means to be a follower of Christ. Show them what it means to be the church. You know, people these days are talking about too many of our kids are leaving the church when they leave home. And that is a tragic reality sometimes. But maybe some of them are leaving because their idea of church isn't what it should be. Maybe they haven't really seen the church at home. Have spiritual conversations. That's what blessing your children is all about. It's about having faith infuse every part of your life, your decision-making, your relationships. It's, it's, it means praying with and praying over your children they need to hear you pray. They need to see your heart in prayer. You need to lift them up in prayer. It's reminding them that their worth and their value is not based on what they do or don't do. It is based on them being an image bearer of God, created by God in the image of God. And their value and their worth and their identity come from being in Christ. Just like all of us. I've heard of special blessing ceremonies, rites of passage, 
rituals that some families do, and I'm all for these. In fact, we did some of this ourselves, but the truth is blessing often comes in the ordinary, the everyday life. You can take advantage of and even create opportunities to pass down the blessing to your children, to your grandchildren. Step into those opportunities. Create those teachable moments. Create those moments of blessing transfer. In the classic book, The Gift of the Blessing by Smalley and Trent, they ask people this question. It's an important question. It's a good question. Here's the question. What is one specific way that you knew that you had received your parents' blessing? I wonder if we opened it up for discussion today, what some of those answers might be. Again, as I said earlier, probably tragically we would have some answers that broke our hearts, but we would also hear many answers that honored God and that were a testimony to parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends and family who were being very deliberate, very intentional, uh, intentional about passing down a blessing. And so they ask this question, and in the book they record like a hundred responses that they've gotten. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I thought I might read a few because I want this to be extremely practical. And maybe something I read will spark an idea that you might have, you could do in your home or your family or among your group of, of friends, your sphere of influence. And so let me just read some of these. What is one specific way you knew that you'd received your parents' blessing. Number one, my parents would take the time to really listen to me when I talked to them, and they looked me in the eye. Number two, my folks wrote up a special story of my birth that they read to me every year. Here's another. We read Psalm 139 as a family and discussed how God had uniquely and specially designed each of us children. My mother would pray with me about important decisions I was facing, or even that I would have a good day at school. My parents always made sure I knew why I was being disciplined. My father would let me go on some of his business trips. They would let me explain my point of view on issues, even when they didn't agree with me. They always made me feel like my opinion mattered. They didn't compare my abilities or my talents with my siblings or kids at school, but helped me see my own unique value. My father always acted more excited about spending time with us kids than going to work. I never felt like I had to perform to gain my parents' approval. Even when I was overweight in high school, my parents still made me feel attractive. My mom took on a part-time job to raise money so I could go to summer camp. My father would let me practice pitching to him for a long time when he got home from work. What's interesting is many of these responses, I guess all of them, are, are many years old. That book is really old. And yet so many of them are still relevant today. So many of them would work today even. And of course, ideas on how to pass down the blessing aren't limited to that. God has put people in your life to bless. You have an opportunity, and as parents and grandparents, a responsibility to be intentional and to freely give them what they need. And they need to know that they have worth and value. They need to know that they are seen and that what you see is good. 
that last answer made me think of a story. 72-year-old Randy Long was cleaning out his garage and he came across a five-gallon bucket of baseballs. And he remembered all the many times that he had pitched batting practice to his son and then later his grandson. He decided that someone else could be blessed by those baseballs and so he took them down to a local batting cage and he put a note on them. (laughs) And the note said, hope someone can use some of these baseballs in the batting cage. I found them cleaning my garage. I pitched them to my son and my grandson for countless rounds. My son is now 46 years old and my grandson is 23 and I'm 72 and what I wouldn't give to pitch a couple of more rounds with them. But they both moved on and moved away. If you are a parent, cherish these times. You won't believe how quickly they will be gone. And he signed it, God bless. And then he added a postscript, P.S. Give them a hug and tell them you love them every chance you get. See, that's what blessing looks like. It's not what we normally think of when we think of blessing, but that is how we bless the next generation. We are present in their lives. We speak words of acceptance and affirmation. We help them envision a special future where God is intimately involved in their lives. Did you notice in that blessing from Jacob in Genesis 48, how many times the word may, may God do this, may God call you by my name, you see, that's, that's speaking truth into being, speaking it into reality by the help of God. That's what blessing looks like. It looks like projecting good into the life of another. It looks like intentionally and freely giving people what they need. And you have opportunities. And I can assure you that God does that for his children. God does that for you and for me. So be a channel of God's blessing to those who come behind you. Don't just leave them something after you're gone. Leave them what they need right now. Be intentional. Be deliberate. This morning, if we can encourage you in some way, we certainly want to do that. If we can pray for you, we'd be happy to do that. In just a moment, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's a room right behind me. You can exit the auditorium and go there, and they'll pray for you. They're going to pray anyway. They'd love to pray for you. Or you can come down to the front and we'll lift you up in prayer. We'll encourage you today. Maybe you need to confess sin. Maybe you need to ask for support. Or maybe today you're ready to claim Jesus as your Lord. Confess your faith that Jesus is who he says he is. That he lived, that he died, that he was raised from the dead. From that grave. And he wants to give you that same resurrection to eternity someday. And you're ready to receive that, to be baptized into Christ, clothed with Christ. We would love to celebrate that with you today. There's something we can do. We invite you to come as we stand and sing. A sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. What 